Thank you for listening to a Praise Chapel Kingman podcast. If you need any information about our church, or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at praisechapelkingman.com. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Lord. Wow. Thank you, those at Ministry of Music. You did an exceptional job this morning. Yeah, give them a hand. Holy Spirit used them this morning, didn't he? Hallelujah. Wow. Jesus. Jesus. I, got, I don't even know where I'm at. Hallelujah. You're a great church. You're getting better every day. He's a great God. Amen. That's church right there. <laughs> Hang on a second. I'm, I'm a little woozy. Never been drunk in my life, but I guess this is what it's like. Now look at if you came and you say, man, I want more of that, come back tonight at 6. Oh, man. You know, the thing is, let me just say this to you, church. You know, there's not a person in this room today that doesn't have a need. And you say, how do you know that? Well, because if you're human and you're breathing, you have a need. Uh, even if you're not human and you're breathing, you probably have a need. If you're a plant, you know, you might need dirt. You know, I don't know. But I do know this. I know that, that, that as human beings, we have a need. And they can be small. They can be big. Um, it don't matter. You know, sometimes we, here's the problem. Sometimes we just don't respond. We just don't respond to him. And when we don't respond, guess what? We get exactly what we shot at. If you aim at nothing, you're surely to hit it. Okay? And so, you know, you say, well, I, why do I got to come to a service? Part of it is it's kind of like when uh, Peter got out of the boat. You, you got to do something. There's an there's a, a act of faith. There's a stepping out. There's a, there's a partnership. And sometimes it's, it's you got to, you know, in the Old Testament, he said this to the prophet. He told uh, Elijah, he says, I want you to go to the brook Cherith because I've commanded the ravens to feed you there. Right. Now, if he would have went to, you know, Colorado River, there would have been no ravens and he'd be foraging for food. But if he went to the brook Cherith, he had commanded the ravens to feed them, feed him there. Then, then he says, now I, I'm, the brook dried up, and he says, now I want you to go to Zarephath because I've commanded a little widow woman to feed you there. Okay, and there's something about being where God says to be. And then in the New Testament, it talks about that the presence of the Lord was there to heal them. Okay, and so there was a moving, and that's why, that's why in, in the midst of this, when we were doing this, and there was such an anointing on Shay, and there was such an anointing on Brandy and the, the worship team as they were presenting this and doing this. Let me tell you something. I'm sure I don't see Shay right now, but I'm sure that there she is. I'm sure that's not, she didn't have that planned. That's Holy Spirit. Okay, God's speaking through her. She's responding to Holy Spirit, and that, that, what that did is that, that set a platform that was God calling us. He was saying, look, I'm going to do something in your life. I'm going to change you. I'm going to meet the need. I'm going to do something. And, 
you know, there was a declaration and a proclamation that came forth, and, and it came through that vessel. And then there was a corresponding anointing that followed the word that was preached. Do you understand yeah. Yeah. what's happening? Yeah. And the corresponding, that's all. Do you understand that's so Bible? Yeah. That's textbook, man. That's like you go read that in the Bible. And we're going to talk a little bit about that here if we get to it. I don't know if we'll even get to it. <laughs> but it, it's, it's God doing something. And this is what we've been contending for. This is what I have been contending for for probably 30-some years. Yes. Yes. You say, really? Yeah. No, I've been. You need to understand when I was a young man, I was three years old. I'm going to tell you a story, funny story. Three years old, and my aunt, my Aunt Erlene, I loved her. She was a great aunt, but she, she was a big woman. You say, how big? She could go bear hunting with a switch, man. She was a big woman. <laughs> But she was a great Christian. She was just, and she would tell me about Jesus and I often went to church with her. And she always told me, I remember being three years old and my aunt and uncle, my Bob and Erlene, I used to call them Bobberine. And so anyway, when I was three and they had chickens and they had horses and all that stuff. And one day we went out to see the chickens while the rooster got out and the rooster started chasing us. And so my aunt being a big woman, she's trying to run. And really what she's doing is dragging me. And I stopped, I stopped, and I said, stop. I said, in the name of Jesus. And I looked right at that chicken, that rooster. And I'm telling you, I was at three years old believing God. And that was just, you know why? Because I wasn't ever supposed to be. My parents were diagnosed as barren. And my mom prayed like Hannah prayed and says, you give me a child, I'll give that child back to you. And she did. She dedicated me to the Lord. <clears throat> and there was something there. And I'm going to tell you, the devil has tried to rip that off. He has told me lie after lie after lie after lie. And there's been moments where he's tried to pull me away. But let me tell you something. Here I am today, 50-some years old, and, and, and I, I've got it. God's he's doing it. And it's been birthed inside me. And it's the supernatural. It's, 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 it's the natural. It's what we were created for. It's, it's him. It's him. It's him. He, he wants us so desperately reliant upon him. Are you hearing me? Well, listen, today, I, I, I want to finish up today. I want to finish this sermon, this sermon series, this part of it. There's actually going to be a part B to this sermon series, but we'll get to that later. But I, I, I want to finish this up because um, I, I believe God's doing such great things in this. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit, and I want to use a text real quick that we've talked about before, so I'm going to get moving really quick. So Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5 says this, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait. Wait for the promise of the Father. Wait for the promise of the Father. That's significant. We've got to understand that all that we've been talking about is the promise of of the Father. This is something the Father has promised to you and I, which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, in the last few weeks, we've been on this journey of discovering the wonder of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we began by talking about the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit Church is not some mystical, strange, crazy entity floating around in the shadows of life trying to make people nervous. That's not who he is. Now, there's a lot of people that kind of look at him that way because of misinformation, because of a lie, because of you know, misunderstanding or the lack of understanding altogether. And you know, generally, we fear what we do not understand. 
The reason a three-year-old is afraid of the, what's in the closet is because he has no understanding that there is nothing in the closet other than clothes. Okay, so he's afraid of it. And so, and listen, all irrational fears are based in misunderstanding. Okay, the reason that we're afraid of things is because we bought into a lie and therefore we do not understand what's being told to us. We don't understand the dynamic. And, and, and so somewhere along the line, what happens is we become afraid of things that we do not understand. And that's why the devil wants to keep us in the dark. Okay, listen, the Holy Spirit is simply this, God in us. Are you hearing me? He is the promise of the Father, and his interaction in our lives is so important that Jesus said, it is better for me to leave so he can come. Now, I want you to think about this. Use your imagination just for a moment. Imagine, if you will, if Jesus was with you everywhere you went. Now, what I mean by that is you can see him. No one else can. You can hear him. You can touch him. You can see him, but nobody else can. So as you're going through life... Jesus is right there. And every time you're about to make a mistake, he goes, whoa, stop. You're about to fall off the stage. You know, driving down the road, he prevents things. When people threaten you, he stops them. It's like this. I I found a a story. A lady handed me a story. Think of this. A burglar broke into an old lady's apartment, and she screams at him, Acts 2.38. The guy turns around and runs out of the apartment. His buddy said to him, what did you get? He said, nothing. So how come? He goes, she's got an axe and two guns. But imagine if Jesus were with you. You know, and and it's like you would, after a while, you would be pretty confident, wouldn't you? You 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 would walk into a crowd of gang members. Go, that's right. They'd look at you and like, you're just a punk. You go, oh, yeah, 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 go ahead. Go ahead, and you'd smile at Jesus and go, you got this, don't you? Right. And he'd go, yeah, I got this. You'd be confident. Well, can I give you a secret? He is with you. Right. Everywhere you go, man. Everywhere you go. Everywhere you go. But imagine, Jesus said, the Holy Spirit is so important that it's better that I go away so I can send him. Why? He says, because through him, I'm going to dwell in your heart. Through him, I'm going to dwell with you. Through him and his activity, I'm going to do everything that I did if I were standing right next to you. Are you hearing me? See, the Holy Spirit, he's our helper. He's our comforter. He's our teacher. He's our leader. And he gently keeps us right on the right track. And all of this, he does all of this with one goal in mind, is that we would walk into a deeper, more abiding relationship with the Father. That's why he does what he does. We discovered that the intention that Jesus had is that we would not just be filled with the Spirit, but that we would be immersed in him through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Listen to what the text says. He says, don't depart, but wait for the promise. He says, I've told you about this. John baptized with water, but I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Don't leave until you get that. In fact, John even prophesied about it. He says in Matthew 3.11, he says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And you say, well, why are you telling all of this again? We must establish the foundation 
of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we must understand it, that it is not an aberration of the church, but it is the promise of the Father. Are you hearing what I'm saying? See, most churches look at the Holy Spirit and all this, you know, working of the Holy Spirit as being some sort of aberration, that it's somehow man's idea to make people nervous. No, this was God's promise to our lives. Can you say amen to that? Last week, we discovered the most significant benefit of having the Holy Spirit active in our lives, and that is prayer. Listen to what Paul says in the Romans. He says in Romans 8, 26 and 27, he says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Praying in the Holy Spirit is far more than we could ever imagine. We've all come to that place. Every one of us have come to that place where we did not know what to do, we didn't know what to say, and we didn't know how to pray. We've all come to that place. And we all come to that. We just didn't have the know-how. But through the Holy Spirit, he came alongside us. He became a helper that came alongside us, and he partners with us. He comes to us in our weakness, and he helps us in our inadequacies so we can pray with impact. Can you say amen? amen? He partners with us in prayer, grabbing a hold of, listen, grabbing a hold of the obstacle and pushing against it in partnership with us to remove every satanic hindrance, even to the smallest detail, praying exactly what is needful. That is what Paul is writing. He goes on, he says, he's not only that, but he's an intercessor that will literally get into the trap, the circumstances, the confusion, <coughs> the torment, the problem. See, he is the original rescue swimmer. Yes. Amen. He finds his way to you in the midst of your storm. Waves are rolling over your head. You are beside yourself. You don't know what to do. Holy Spirit descends down on this supernatural rope into your situation so that he can rescue you. That's what he is as an intercessor. He's like a volcano erupting in power with incredible prayers that come rising up out of us. These are supernatural utterances that proceed from the spirit. Our spirit as the Holy Spirit rises up in us. And he rescues us through us. He's this prayer partner that knows the heart, the mind, and the will of God. Now you can see this morning why the Holy Spirit's role in prayer is so valuable. You can also see why the devil has such a vested interest in diverting us from it. Amen. The devil knows if we get a hold of this. Look, at if we get a hold of this, the kind of stuff that we have happened this morning will be happening in the city. It'll change cities. Look at, listen to this. Think about this for a moment. The Great Commission. He says, go and make disciples of all nations. Now, think about that for a moment. This is a pretty heady, large call. He didn't say go make disciples of people. Now, we understand that to win a nation, you got to win the one. I understand that. I'm not ignorant to that. But his goal was nation discipleship. 
That's a little bit above our pay grade. Right. A little bit. I might, you know, we might think we're all that, but I can guarantee you we're not that much. And so we've got to have Holy Spirit, and we have got to have him in this. He, we need him. But see, the devil knows that if we get him, if we really get this, we'll shake nations. We'll shake them. We'll shake the city. We'll change cities. That's why Jude says in verse 20, he says, But you, beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Listen, I'm going to just take just a 30-second detour. If you're here today and you're struggling, you feel disconnected, you feel out of joint, you feel, feel like you're weighted or you feel like you're distanced, pray in the Holy Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Yes. Call upon the Spirit. Ask Him. You can't just wait. You can't just say, I'll just wait here until He shows up. See, the Bible says this. Think about this in, in, with the disciples. The disciples were in the boat at the mercy of the storm. They're freaked out. They're scared. They believe they're going to die. Jesus comes walking on the water, and the Bible says they saw Jesus, and they thought he was a ghost. And the Bible said he would have walked on by, except they called out to him. I wonder how many times Jesus has walked on by because we just failed to call out. Come on. Preach it. Come on now. Moses got his calling, was anointed because he turned aside. He turned aside to see. He went to investigate what the burning bush was all about. Over and over and over and over again throughout the scriptures, you can find stories of great men and women of God that they made a decision to investigate. They called out. They called upon the Lord. And the Bible says whoever calls upon the Lord will not be ashamed. You will get what you're calling for. Amen. You simply can't wait. You can't go, well, you know, he knows where I'm at. He does. Yeah. Well, he knows what I have need of. He does. Yeah. Well, he'll do something if he wants to. No, he wants to. He wants to know if you want to. That's right. He's yeah. a gentleman. Yeah. You got to call out to him. But listen, this dynamic of prayer is not all he is because the second benefit of the Holy Spirit is nothing less than that. It's, it's, it's not less important. It's... it's it, he empowers us. Yes, he does. I want you to think about this. This is why he tells them. Listen to what he says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He told them to wait for what? The promise of the Father, which was power. Yes. You will be empowered to do what I've called you to do. You will be empowered to live. You'll be empowered to overcome. Empowered to do his will. Empowered to be the children of God. Aren't you glad for that? Yeah. In Zechariah chapter 4 verse 6 it says this. So he answered and said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. What you need to know is Zerubbabel was uh, given the task of building the temple to restore the temple. And there was a lot of opposition. How many know the devil doesn't want the church built? Right. Yeah. But they were restoring the temple. He didn't want it, so there was opposition. There was trials and tribulations, and there was problems. And Zerubbabel was getting kind of discouraged with it. And, and, and the Lord came, and he says, Look it, it's not going to be by your might. 
It's not going to be by your better intention or your good ideas or your fancy program. It's going to be by my spirit, the power of my spirit. When I got that, that set me free. You see, why? Because, see, I, as a pastor, I carry the church. As the pastor, you know, the weight of the church is on me. And when I figured out that I'm not the one, except the Lord build the house, they that labor, labor in vain. Except the Lord watch the city, they that watch stay up all night in vain. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And I figured out that, you know what, somewhere along the line, this is God's work. And when I get out of the way and let God do what he does, boy, he does a lot better job than me. Are you hearing me? But that's not just true with churches. It's true with building a home, building a family, building a marriage, building a life, building a career, whatever it might be, building an education, whatever you're doing. You need to do it. I don't care if you're baking a cake. Let me tell you, you can probably bake a really good cake. It's all that in a bag of chips. But let me tell you something. If the Holy Spirit helps you, it'll be a better cake. I don't care if you got Sarah Lee or Marie Callender. God will make it better. He says, isn't that a little silly? No. See, church, we got to think like that. God's a baker. So how do you know? He made manna for 40 years. I told the 830 service, in my imagination, I see this big bakery. And there's all these mixers and workbenches and... I see big angels with their wings furled out, and they're over there chopping dough. What are they doing? Making manna. That's what they do. Some of you are looking like, where do you read that in the Bible? It ain't in the Bible. It's my imagination. But you know what? Somewhere along the line, God, do you understand? Listen to this statement. It was, this statement was, was first released in a song that was sung by uh, Jen Johnson from, from Bethel Worship. And she said this. It was, it was in one of those places where they did, what do they call it, the spontaneous worship? Yeah. And in this spontaneous worship, she said this. He is wrapped up in the details of our life. Yeah. You know what that means is when I'm baking a cake, he's interested. That's right. See, do you need power to bake a cake? I do. I don't know about you. I can do a lot of things. I, I'm pretty good at a lot of things. But I can do nothing. John chapter 5, verse 15, I can do nothing without him. Right. You know what? No, the Greek word for nothing is no thing. Nothing. I can't breathe without him. He empowers me. Listen, Acts chapter 6, it's not on the uh, screen, but it says, And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Listen, I'm going to stop. Full of faith and power. Listen to that. Stephen was one of the seven that were chosen by the apostles to be what would be equivalent in our day and age as an usher. Here's the problem with the modern church. See, we categorize people and their importance. We go, you know what, the preacher, you know, that's the dude. I want to be prayed for by the preacher. Let me tell you something. Stephen, he was all that. He was full of faith and power. Now, when they, the criteria for these men, if you go back and look at it in Acts, the criteria is that they would be full of faith and the spirit. 
But in this case, they identified the spirit, the moving of the spirit as power. Now listen, here is Stephen, and it goes on, and it says this, Then there arose some that were, uh, uh, from some what is called the synagogue of the freemen, the Cyrenians, the Alexandrians, those from Sicilia and Asia, disputing with Stephen, and they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. Here is this usher who is having, he changed the world. You say, how did he change the world? He got martyred. Well, listen, in his martyrdom, here he is, he's preaching. These guys cannot resist him. They're mad. They are so mad they went to biting him. This is a guy that knew how to stir the pot. And they begin to stone him, but something miraculous happened. Two things that day. Stephen is there, and he looks up into heaven, and as he looks into heaven, he sees at the throne of God, Jesus, standing to his feet. The only place we see Jesus standing at the throne is when Stephen is given his life for the kingdom. There is the applause of heaven, the standing ovation of this great man of God. You say, well, what really happened? That's pretty good for him, but what happened? There was a young man, man by the name of Saul holding the coats of those that were fighting him. And I declare to you that was the seed that was planted in young Saul's life that caused him to become the Apostle Paul that changed the known world and wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And in Romans, Paul writes, he says in chapter 15, verse 19, he says, through mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God so that from Jerusalem around to... Ilicrium, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. He says, I did what I did through the power of God. He said, I did what I did. See, God help us if we try to do anything without power. Let me tell you something, church. I've been saved for 47 years, and I've been in church a long time. I've got a a, a real uh, um, resume, and that 95 cents will get you a cup of coffee at Circle K. But the point is, is this, is that I've seen a lot, and I've done church with no power. Yep. I've done church where we came, we sang five songs, we did our announcements, we did our offering, we heard the preacher, we went home, and we were unmoved, unchanged. Right. Nothing better by it, just basically a waste of an hour and 15 minutes. I don't want to do that no more. If that's what we're going to settle into, then I'll go. I'll do something else. I want to come, and I want to find the power of God. I, I, and I don't look at This was never meant to be here. We are meant to be different. See, that's the thing. You know, when people start talking about the Holy Spirit, it's like, wow, well, you know, that's gonna, he's going to make me a little different. Yes, he will. Yeah. But do you understand? Look, at, do you understand you weren't supposed to fit in to this world? See, that's the problem with Christians. We're always trying to fit in. Well, and then we, and hey, and we've got so good at our fitting in, we have now got scripture on it. Say, so where is that? Well, Paul became all things, all men, so he might win some. I'm just fitting in, bro. I'm just fitting in. No, you weren't supposed to fit in. You were supposed to stand out. See, I know the Holy Spirit will make you, not make you, that's the wrong word. Holy Spirit, when he comes on you, you will do things that are a little bit different. You go, I don't know if I want that. That's what God wants. You say, why? Because it's kingdom, not earth. 
It's not about here. It's about there. It's about being what he wants. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Think about it for a moment. Jesus said we're light and we're salt. And I've said this before, light and salt are unmistakable. There's never a time, I'll challenge you, in you, if you live to be 125 years old, there'll never be a time in your life where you'll mistake salt. You'll be eating you know, a casserole where your wife has made it or your husband's made it, and you went, hmm, there's something funny. It's got a little bit of a bite to it. You know, it makes my lips pucker, and you know, I'm really thirsty. It's actually, I can't even hardly choke it down. And you go, what is that spice? And your wife or husband go, oh, it's salt. Now, you might eat lasagna or goulash, or you might have some sort of uh, specialized dish. Maybe you're a Gordon Ramsay fan, and you cook something that he cooks, and you might put basil, as he would say, in, or, or basil, or you might put thyme or rosemary or whatever the <coughs> particular thing is, and you might go, hmm, hmm, that tastes good. What is that? You may not know, but salt stands out. Light stands out. You know, one of the reasons I keep walking to the front of the stage is because the light. You know, we decided to, to remodel the stage, and we wanted to be able to put this on the Internet for all those on Facebook, and welcome. Thank you for watching. But we got to have light. i got to be lit up. Well, now we got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 30, 40, 50, 60, 25 lights up here, and I can't even see the front row. Light is unmistakable. I have never stood up here and went, why can't I see? Light is unmistakable. He says, you're a light set on a hill. Yeah. Do you, let me tell you something. The only time the light doesn't shine is when the light gets lost in the church. We are not the, we are not the light of the church. We are the light of the world. Yeah. And what we want to do is hide in the church. Gosh, I'm on another sermon. Hang on. Yeah. <laughs> Got to come back. This is a fun day. We're almost done. We're almost done. And it's the power of God that makes us stand out. People are so worried about signs and wonders. Signs point to Jesus. Wonders make you go, hmm, that's it. They are the result of the Holy Spirit. Look for the Holy Spirit. Signs and wonders will follow. Yeah. Don't look for signs and wonders. Right. See, hey, look, when I'm going to Disneyland, I have an objective Disneyland, that's where I want to go. Now, the only reason I look for a sign is so I can get there the quickest way possible. I'm looking for Jesus. I'm looking for God. And if he chooses to show up in signs and wonders, that's his business. There is no substitute for the power of the Holy Spirit. There's simply nothing like it. The third benefit of the Holy Spirit is uh, love. Amen. The third benefit of the Holy Spirit being active in our life is love, and there's a lot today being said about love. Go on Facebook and watch most Christians' posts. Christians love to post <laughs> little sayings that sound good but are hard to live. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I just love the whole world. Until the world cuts in line. I just love everybody until everybody don't like you. I just love. And I'm not mocking that, please. I know it sounds like I'm mocking it. Because I do believe that we should love. 
I absolutely believe we should be all about love. But church, if love is something you're trying to muster, you're not going to get it done. You do not have the capacity to love this world. You do not have the capacity to love your neighbor. And matter of fact, you don't have the capacity to love God on your own. Listen to what the scripture says, Romans 5, 5. Hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. Love is the work of the Holy Spirit. The only way that I can love the unlovely and love those that are coming against me is through this power of the Holy Spirit. And maybe the reason that so many Christians struggle to walk in love is because they've never opened their hearts to the Holy Spirit. We are trying to muster something in our own ability that we don't have the ability to do. The great 19th century evangelist Charles Finney described his life-changing encounter with the Holy Spirit this way. He said, the Holy Spirit seemed to go through me, body and soul. I could, feel the, I could feel his impression like a wave electricity going through and through me. Indeed, it seemed to come in waves of liquid love, for I could not express it any other way. Wow. See, it's the Holy Spirit that reaches out from your heart to love those around you. Amen. It's the love of God. It's passion and compassion that are released from the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that Jesus, in Matthew chapter 9, I think it's verse 36, it says he was moved with compassion. It was the working of Jesus, the Holy Spirit that was in Jesus, that reached out to those that were lost. Are you hearing that? Jesus told his disciples that the world would know them by one thing. It was not going to be their big buildings or their fancy platforms or their wonderful worship or their great teaching or preaching or all their technology. It was going to be the fact that they loved one another. And that, my friends, is a work of the Holy Spirit. Another benefit of the Holy Spirit is the fruit that is produced in our lives through him. Now, we're almost done. Hang on with me just for a few more minutes. In Galatians chapter 5, I want to read this to you. It's a lengthy portion of scripture. It's not on the screen, but I want you to listen. You can, you can research this at home. It's 16 through 25, verses 16 through 25 in Galatians 5. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, so I advise you to live according to your new life in the Holy Spirit. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The old sin nature loves to do evil, which is just opposite from what the Holy Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite from what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, and your choices are never free from this conflict. But when you are directed by the Holy Spirit, you are no longer subject to the law. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, your lives will produce these evil results. Sexual immorality, impure thoughts, eagerness for lustful pleasure, idolatry, participation in demonic activities, hostility, quarreling, just jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, divisions, the feeling that everyone's wrong except those in your own little group, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other kinds of sins 
Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But when the Holy Spirit controls your life, he will produce this kind of fruit in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And here there is no conflict with the law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. If we are living now by the Holy Spirit, let us follow the Holy Spirit lead in every part of our lives. Listen, this is what he's saying to us, church. See, there was a long time in my life where I would have preached a message like this, and basically this is how it would have went. I would have went, you sinners, you need to nail your nature to the cross, and you better start loving and being peaceful. Be peaceful. Boy, I'll tell you what, you better get it together. Be kind. Be gentle. For heaven's sakes, be gentle. And I would have looked at you and said, you better stop that quarreling. You better stop that stuff. Look at without the Holy Spirit, you can't. See, the problem is, is without the Holy Spirit, you are not going to live the kind of life. This is the thing about God. God will require of us things that's impossible. But this is the great thing about God. He gives bread to the eater, seed to the sower, faith to the believer, righteousness to those that are required to be righteous. God says, be holy, for I am holy. And then he says, guess what? I'll make you holy. Now go be it. That's what I love about God. He says, be righteous. Okay. A little, little, little struggle in here, God. He goes, okay, you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He says, now go live it out. That's the point of that scripture. See, we, we're always trying to muster up love and joy and peace and you know, gentleness, kindness, and self-control. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. It's when we embrace Holy Spirit. It's when we invite him in. His natural function turns off the old sin nature, holds it at bay, and produces in us a divine nature that has specific fruit called love, joy, peace, patience. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's a work of the Holy Spirit. You know, I have tried and tried and tried and tried to be good. I'm just not good until he comes along. Amen. And then I am absolutely good. Amen. In my own ability and nature, I can't get it done. In church, we're just trying too hard. Now look at that. I use this illustration. What God's wanting us to do is he's, he's wanting us to simply step into it. Think of it this way. Let's take it out of the context of the spiritual just for a moment. Almost done. Promise. I know, it's about my eighth time closing, right? Imagine if God came down and built you a mansion. Just built this wonderful place and said, all I require of you is to live in it. You know, God, I just... uh, But I built it to your specifications. I built that house with you in mind. All the things you like. See, if I was thinking, I'm going to just pick on Brandy here a little bit. She's smiling. I can, I can actually see her. That's one person I can see. If God were to build Brandy a mansion, I can imagine, just because I know her a little bit, that there would be this gigantic room that would just be filled with worship. And she would go into that room, and she would get lost. 
And it would take Mike hours and hours and hours to get her out of there. In fact, she would probably say, hey, stud, see ya. I'm done. This is where I'm living. I'm not coming out. Just knowing how much she... See, have you ever watched her on stage? She gets... She does not perform. She worships. She said to me one time, she goes, I don't want to be worship. I don't want to perform worship. I just want to worship in front of people. So when she's singing that song, she's not performing. She's worshiping. You just get to watch. And she don't care if you watch. She's just like, I don't care. Watch. But see, that's what God does is he builds this house. He builds this great thing. He's built this thing for us called life. Life in him. And he says, all I want you to do is walk in it. I just want you to take part of it. Just get in it. So how do you do that? Well, you got to step out. You say, God, I'm going to step into you. Show me today. Get up in the morning and say, God, what do you have for me today? What do you want to say to me today? Help me to be a te- help me to pay attention. And when my mind drifts, God, gently put me back on track. I've asked God to do that lately. And he does. I'll be driving down the road and all of a sudden I have this thought. You haven't prayed in a little while now. Oh, yeah. Father, I love you. I praise you. Thank you, Jesus. Paying attention to him. That's walking in the spirit. And that fruit will develop. Finally, the la- it's the last thing, but definitely not the least benefit of the Holy Spirit is the gifts of divine enablement. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, 1, and look at this just for a moment. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Now, I am not a real bright theologian, but when I see that portion of scripture, the first thing that hits me is, When God says, don't be ignorant of something, we probably ought to pay attention to it. I mean, that's the first level of that verse. And I think the problem is, is there's a lot of people that walk around because of the lies and because of the misinformation and because of the diversions and all of that. They just simply say, it's just too confusing. I don't understand it. I'm afraid of it. And so they end up being ignorant of spiritual gifts. But listen to what the Bible says in Corinthians 12, 4 through 11, and once again, it's not on the board. It's too long to put there. It says, but there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are diversities of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. But the manifestations of the Spirit are given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another the word the to another faith by the same spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues, but the one and same spirit works all of these, distributing to each one individually as he wills. See church, one of the things that God wants to do is he wants to give you a gift, a, a divine enablement. He wants to give you those gifts. He wants to, as they're necessary, he wants to bring them to your life so that you can accomplish what God wants. I agree. Some of it is different. Some of it is strange. You saw a little working of it today. I just want to point this out. That was, it's a word of knowledge and prophecy that was at work in Shea. She was, there was a prophecy. And look at prophecy is always encouraging. It's always exhorting. It's always comforting. That's what it's for. And you saw that as we, we, listened to that and as we stepped into that and we received that it released something in this place 
Okay, that's what that does. It's not for, see that word wasn't for Shay, that word was for you. See, he, he says here, he gives for, he says, I give all these things for the profit of all. That's what he's doing. And so that's, that's what I want to point out to you. This is, this is such a powerful, powerful understanding. And we need this, church. We need this. We need this. See, the earliest New Testament believers, they threw the door open to the Holy Spirit, and they turned the world upside down. Thousands of people came into the kingdom. Miracles happened. Lives were transformed everywhere they went. Why? Because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Is it any wonder that Satan is terrified by Christians who get this? Because it's a game changer. This is a game changer, church. I was raised on this stuff, man. Raised on it. Oh, man, it moves me. I, it just, it moves me. When I, and it, I always know, and I'm, I'm going to shut up, I, I promise. I got to get you out of here. When he gets moving like this, I, I just like, when he was moving today, I feel invincible. I'm like, you know, and I'm, I'm not a fighter. I was in two fights in my life and both girls won. I, you know, I, I'm not a fighter. But man, I get into this and, and I'm ready. I'm, ah, it's like ready to go. Come on. Why? Because this is God. And look at it's not always about the grand display. This is wonderful. Okay, this is about life. This is about, and this is what I'm trying to say when I talk, use my cake illustration. This is about walking down the aisle at Safeway and having the Holy Spirit move on you in a worship. Brandy, does God ever move on you in worship just in the middle of like Sears? And you're, and, and then you're crying and you're lifting your hands and everybody's like, who's she surrendering to? You know? I just know her. That is, God moves on you, and he will. He'll speak to you about people. He'll say, go, he'll say, go up to that guy right there, that, that, that crazy guy in the white shirt right there. Tell him Jesus loves him. And you'll go up, and he'll break down and go, man, I was praying. We were in California a few years back, and I was at a gas station, and God told me to give $50 to a guy at a bus stop. I said, that's my 50 bucks, man. Come on. God says, do it. I got a lot of money. I said, it's good, I don't. See? So I went and did it. And I walked up to the guy, and the guy looked at me and he went, Oh my God. He said, I just prayed. God, if you're real, help me. That's Holy Spirit. That's what we want to walk in. So why don't you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you for this time that we've had together. And Father, we thank you for all that you accomplished today. Every miracle that you performed, every person that was touched, those that will continue to be touched, those that will leave this place with the residue of the Holy Spirit moving in them. Father, we pray that you would continue <coughs> to do this great and wonderful thing. Father, we love you today, and we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You can look up at me. Just before we release today, Look at I'm gonna I'm gonna be gone next week. I'm preaching. I'm, I have an opportunity to 
preach a conference next week. Pastor Alex is going to be doing the Sunday service. He's going to be doing his report from Africa. You do not want to miss this because you've made investment there. You want to come and be a part. Then when I get back, when I get back, I'm going to start doing part B to this series. And we're going to uh, expand this a little bit further so you don't want to miss that. Our prayer team is coming. Let's stand to our feet. We want to release you today. If you have a need of any kind, come on up um, and let them pray for you. God bless you. We will see you next week. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Praise Chapel Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.